Hey everyone, you're listening to Pistons and Prosecco, a podcast dedicated to showcasing awesome wedding vendors and providing a behind-the-scenes look at the wedding industry. I'm your host, Bryce Bjornsson, owner of Jax 47 Mobile Barco. We create a better experience for your guests by serving delicious drinks with our fleet of mobile bars. Today we have Justin Sutton with Nuptial. Justin, thanks so much for coming in to the Tasting Lounge and recording this podcast with me. I appreciate it, Bryce. Thank you for having me in this beautiful tasting lounge <laughs> yeah we got the trucks behind us we got you know the the bar over there and we're just hanging out and talking about weddings and the industry um that we're both in justin tell us a little bit about nuptial just to give us that elevator pitch and yeah. help people understand what you do and how you help wedding venues yeah so um basically what we do is uh we help wedding venues make sure that they're asking the right questions of everyone they work with. So, um, you know, our tagline and in our Instagram bio says, you know, we, um, help kind of unweave, uh, the wedding, uh, venue itself. We, uh, we, we take a look at, you know, what all you're doing from a contractual standpoint. Um, there's so many things going on on a wedding venue. Um, you know, you have different vendors, that that are all working together in concert to pull off an event. So uh, we just make sure from everything from the ownership of the business, the structure of everything, uh, we kind of get down in the margins and and really see uh, what we can do to help. So a lot of times that involves contract review and, you know, a lot of boring things that are super important, but the way that venues usually operate is they're kind of a lot of times cobbled together and, and, you know, things are addressed as they come about. So we're a little bit more proactive in that regard. Definitely. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of wedding venues out there that started with some family land or, or personal property. And 100%. they, and they said, Hey, we want to have people here. We want to host these celebrations um, but they might not even, who knows, some of them maybe didn't even start with a contract. Right. And so I could see a lot of venues kind of, as you said, cobbling it together, but if they don't, if they haven't done it before, <laughs> how do they yeah, know they're doing the right thing? It's things? totally trial by fire. Yeah. So like you mentioned, most of the people we work with, it's a family business. It's mm-hmm. personal to them. There's some sort of connection or story behind the, the venue itself. And that, that's, really my the the part of the job that I enjoy most is just meeting those people um the stories you know because it a lot of times like you said it ends up maybe it was a their grandfather's farm or their great great grandfather's farm or it's an old house and then the house has been this and has been that and now we've renovated it and it's you know the nicest place that you can imagine that people have their best day ever so mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, and a lot of times there isn't that necessarily that experience with all facets of the wedding industry. So we kind of bring a little bit of experience in everything. Yeah. No, I think there's, it is multifaceted because you not only have the relationship with the couple, right. Or your client, but you have all these vendors that are coming in and they're at different levels of either professionalism or (laughs) legality or what, you know, what have you. So I think that, um, I think we talked a little bit before we started the podcast about, uh, contracts with 
other vendors. And I've started to receive those more often than mm-hmm. I did in the beginning, which I'm appreciative of because it lets me know what's expected sure. of me. Uh, there was this one contract I recently reviewed or, or agreement, not necessarily a contract. It's a bartender agreement. And they said, Hey, we we do last call at, you know, nine 30 and you can't serve anything after 10. And I'm like, perfect. That, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I prefer anyway. And so it was good to know we we're on the same page in that regard. Um, but some venues haven't sent anything like that to me. And so I yeah. think there is, and so they, you know, then that, I think that's when you get the stories of the party going until 1 a.m. and the venue owner coming down from their house yelling at the, you know, <laughs> the drunk, uh, totally groomsmen, you know, because they went for eight hours drinking instead of maybe a max of five or whatever, you know, the venue wants to decide the max hours of serving is. So I, I think, it, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, yeah, the, the client is the focus and you do want to make sure that's, you know, that, that's, that whole set of, you know, whatever issues is figured out, but you also have all these, these other vendors. Oh, it's, it's really, you know, as I said before, a a tangled web and it's Mm -hmm. all about the questions that you're asking both internally and externally. And those questions might be in the form to your point of a Mm -hmm. contract, Mm -hmm. you know, they might be in the form of, Hey, here are our policies and procedures. Um, they might be in the form of a formal lease from yourself to the actual operating entity of your mm-hmm. business, which is, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times, and, and this is a, a really big problem, but the stipulations in that lease might dictate something elsewhere. So it, it's just about taking a look at, okay, from 10,000 feet, Here's what's happening at our venue, and here are the people that are attending. It, it, you know, whether that be a vendor, guests, you know, your your couple, that sort of thing. What do all these relationships entail, and how do I formalize them, and make sure that those questions that I'm asking them are the right ones, and then the questions that I've asked myself with the way I've set up my business the way my property ownership is structured, that sort of thing. Am I protecting myself the right way? And, you know, there's 10,000 other implications that it it might entail with regard to taxes. Um, You know, insurance is another one of those. So there's just a lot going on and there's a lot of different ways to fix it. And a lot of times people just, you, you only know what you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. And that, until it's too late. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So let's, I want to, let's just set this, this up like this scenario. So me, Bryce Bjornson, I, I Bryce Bjornson, whatever. I decide I want to open up a wedding venue. Um, I find a barn with 30 acres out, you know, an hour from Asheville and I want to eventually live there. Right. But for sure. now I'm like, let's just say I want to start this wedding venue. So would I want to purchase the property under an LLC and then start a separate management company with an LLC that have a relationship between each other? Would that be the Generally way to do speaking, it? speaking, yes. But what we like to do is there may be some flexibility that we need to build in for a later date specifically because you may live there. Exactly. So Again, these are all questions about, okay, what's the eventuality 
Mm-hmm. And how do we need to set that up for flexibility in the future? And I'll give yeah. you a really good example real quick, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah. The um, So what uh, a partner of ours is how they started out in the construction phase of their venue. They were referred to me by another owner. And um, I, we kind of had an initial consult with them over you know, their goals and kind of what they hope to do with the property. And, you know, and if, if in 10 years you could look back and, and see what you've done, what, what would you want to have happened here? So we have that conversation and it's basically, I want to live here. I want the venue to be here. We want there to be lodging on site and we don't want any of our guests to leave our, our wedding couples. So we want to keep them on site as much as we possibly can. So that's going to include activities and, and, and a lot of different other things. So we help structure the ownership of that 110 acres the right way mm-hmm. for future development. And it, it just so happened that he built the venue first. He, you know, to your point and your story, this is almost exactly what you're talking about. Um, he built the venue they built their bridal cottage, which served as their home for it. It's still serving as that for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're building a house about a mile down the street now. So they're going to move out. Um, he called me last year and says, uh, we're building six efficiency apartments adjacent. So we figured that out. And then he called me about two months later and said, um, I really, want to have axe throwing and a skeet shooting range on the side. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, 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 and we, that was all to plan. So, you know, I told him, Hey, this is something we've accounted for. And, um, you know, we've got the flexibility built in here. Yeah. Um, so uh, to your point, it's, that's basically the things that we look at all day long. Because so. you wouldn't want the axe throwing to be under your personal response liability you'd want that to be under the probably the management llc well what we actually yeah what we actually did is we we carved out a couple acres in that 110 acres um deeded it over to another entity that that entity leased it to the operating entity of the axe throwing venue and then oh to really separate it yeah so we really put that formal separation there so um and and it's all about you know what's practical what makes most sense sometimes it's impossible to really create a hundred percent legal separation between Mm -hmm. uh things that are going on but especially if you're living on the property i mean that's kind of where it gets muddy i would assume it does and and there's some complicating factors with that but it you know it's something we deal with every day so um well, it's kind of like chess, you know, you kind of <laughs> you arrange the pieces. <laughs> it's a hundred percent like right? chess. And yeah. I, you know, I think that's kind of, that sounds fun and interesting. Um, and would you describe yourself like, is, is an actual, like a consultant for venues or, I mean, I, I, we talked about the insurance aspect, right. And the mm-hmm. liability, but you know, what would you, would, do you do you usually have, uh, what, three month engagements with venues or is it years on end? Or well, what it's that typically like? years on end. So, yeah. I mean, our, our first real client that we started working with, 
I would say six years ago, you know, truly in a consult, more of a consulting uh, focus. I, I mean, we, so to tell you a little bit more specifically about my background mm-hmm. and um, my background, as you mentioned, specifically is in the insurance end of things. But that conversation is 5% or 10% of what the conversation as a whole you need to have. So mm-hmm. um, to that end, most of my job is consulting. So we yeah. take a look at your contract, how the business is run, you know, what automation tools you're using, what, you know, even into, okay, well, how is your business incorporated and how do you pay yourself and, you know, tax structure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of different advantages that are from a tax standpoint, you may not be taking advantage of. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then what does that look like if you change those with contracts and other, like what's the interplay of all that? So, you know, it, a, a decision here has ripple effects kind of across the spectrum. So yeah, we help yeah. quantify that. And, and like you said, it's, I, I work with the same people I started working with six years ago. So it's, yeah. it's an evolving thing. Um, you know, it's just something we take day by day. Some, some of our partners are more labor intensive because, you know, they might have a working winery and, yeah. you know, they do events and then they have a tasting room and they have a restaurant and, Very you know, there's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's, there's commercial production of wine going on. So it's just a lot of different things. And, and we work with a lot of great professionals, attorneys, insurance people, um, accountants. So, you know, we kind of dovetailed all that into what they do in their yeah. specific specialty. Exactly. Yeah. Professionals who understand that industry. Cause sure. you know, there's not just one, t- what I learned back in the days, there's not just one type of lawyer <laughs> or attorney, right? No. You have real estate, then you have trademark and then you, have, you know, there's so many levels. So people who are more familiar with the event side could really help, um, lock in all you know uh verify those contracts and sure and other other things uh you talked a little bit about one of your clients would you say you have an ideal client or is it just any wedding venue that is in need of assistance you know because there's so many stages yeah. right there's the building there's the takeover there's the starting from scratch there's the conversion you know like there's so many ways that people can get into ma- owning slash managing a, a wedding venue mm-hmm. but do you think there's a stage that that you really help out with compared to the others? I have an ideal client and that's a family oriented business or someone who's actively managing the business Mm -hmm. themselves. Um, and they, as I mentioned earlier, just want to give the bride and groom their best day ever. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that sounds pretty nebulous and that could encompass anybody, but, um, we want to work with people who have a space that's personal to them. And I, I think that's where I can make the most impact for somebody. And that's where, um, you know, my pride of ownership and what I do is, is really highest. So, okay. um, and that, that might be somebody just starting out. It might be somebody who's six years in, um, it might be somebody who's kind of learning the ropes and maybe needs some you know, expertise in some areas where they don't have it. So, 
uh, we're happy to do what we can for any of those people. But what I can tell you is if your venue is specifically, you know, you think of it as a business and it's just a money-making machine, I'm not generally a good fit. Mm. And that's just, um, you know, philosophically, I I seem to work better with people who are servant-minded because that's how I am. And, um, you know, it's just a better fit. Yeah. yeah. Well, it made me think of those event venue groups, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like a restaurant group that has like six restaurants. There's some venues out there that are part of a restaurant group. Yep. And that would seem like that's not. It's a big maybe a good fit for you. Is that what you're saying? Is that yeah, kind exactly. Of and that yeah. that you know the M and A that's going on right now in the uh, mergers and acquisitions mm. that's going on in the wedding industry, and that consolidation of um, there's there's a you know a couple big groups in Atlanta, and they own venues kind of across the southeast and in Texas, and um, you know we've it. I, I like being able to talk with people who are in the weeds and mm. they are hands on and they see, you know, what's going on and not somebody who's just looking at the venue from an ROI perspective, mm. because, you know, while, while that's important, you know, it's, it's uh, what, what I want to make sure is I've, you know, you've taken care of your client. I want to take care of you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. I, I had no idea that some venues were part of a yeah. group like that. And to be honest, Asheville doesn't, I don't know. I mean, we must have some, but it's its a very, in my opinion, it's a very interesting wedding market because you have the Biltmore. Yeah. Which is a huge draw. And a lot of people want to get married at the Biltmore sure. because of the name or the prestige. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these tiny little mom and pop or just mom yeah. <laughs> run Sure. Your wedding venues, and I don't. I, there's not a lot of, for, at least where I work, obviously because of my business. I don't go to a lot of, you know, I don't go to any hotels, right? So that yeah. already excludes that kind of group. Sure. Um, but there's some bed and breakfasts out there, but I think mm-hmm. they're all independently owned, as far as I, as far as I know. Yeah, I don't know of any kind of conglomerates in the yeah. Asheville area. Yeah. I think there, there may be a couple in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charlotte had, <laughs> cause they kind of have that Atlanta vibe. Yeah. In my and like, I feel like that would happen in, in Charlotte or Ra- like the, the Raleigh. Tri- uh, yeah. The triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It's such a huge, it's such a long state that like, I will never do weddings in, <laughs> yeah. in the triangle. Cause I'm like, I'm not driving four hours. It's a know? long way. And, um, you know, not, not to say, and I, I that, I don't want to exclude all of those people because there there are some people that we work with that own two or three or four venues. Yeah. But it's still kind of a family business and it's it's personal to them. They're actually, you know, they may still work a wedding mm-hmm. or two. I mean, that granted they may have a manager who is managing the event, but they're still very hands-on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that, you know, that's kind of where I, like I said, I, I can make the most impact for people. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what is, what's an example of, you know, an inc- another incident? I know you talked a little bit about the ax throwing you know, yeah. situation, but what's another example of where because of you, a venue 
or venue manager was kind of like saved in a way or, or greatly benefited from yeah. working with you. So um, one thing that that's very typical uh, in the wedding industry is requiring day of insurance for the bride. That's, mm-hmm. you know, almost ubiquitous across the industry. Everyone mm-hmm. does it. So um, like five or six years ago, we started administrating this program for all of our partners where um, we actually automate a lot of the stuff and connect them directly with a provider who goes a little bit above and beyond their typical requirement in their contract. So I want to get into all that, exactly the particulars of it. But anyway, um, we had a winery. I think this happened four or five years ago. For whatever reason, they had a dry wedding at a winery. <laughs> Not sure why, but it it happens. And, yeah. and they provide two bottles of their wine to the bridal suite complimentary. So uh, even though it was dry, they they did that. Well, you can imagine what happened when the one girl in the crowd who really wanted to drink, <laughs> drank, drank all of it. So she does that. Uh, oh, she Lord. falls down the spiral staircase from the bridal suite, hits the post at the bottom, knocks out half a dozen of her teeth, no cuts way. her lips all up. And the owner of the winery calls me at about 6.30 on a Saturday Saturday night and is like, what the heck am I going to do? And so there were some things that she could do that um, now she's aware of and all of our partners are aware of now because, you know, you just learn these things as you go along. So um, fast forward <clears throat> three weeks later, she gets a service notice from the uh, bridesmaid's dad's attorney that he's suing the venue. So she's like, I, okay, now I've got this notice. What am I supposed to do? Well, we've already taken care of this because some of the things that she required actually require that bride's policy to pay first. Mm-hmm. And then if it does pay, they can't sue her insurance company. So we, again, this is going back all to the questions that you ask of the bride so those questions she asked in her contract required the right answer for her to hold that party there, yeah. the wedding there. Yeah. And so basically what she would have had to done, what what she would have had to do is sue her friend first. That's not going to happen. The, bride, the bridesmaid the bride would, have- would have had to sue the bride oh. first. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So that basically blew that up. Uh, pretty quickly. And then even if she had, then her policy, it mandates that her policy paid before anything else on site. Mm-hmm. So, and, and basically right there, the only thing we did was add two sentences to their rental contract mm-hmm. that stipulated that, that asked that question. So, um, you know, those, those are just the little things that yeah. with a small tweak here or there, you put a big barrier between yourself and someone holding an event. Yeah. Or their vendor or whomever. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that, um, you know, I'm glad I've never had to use my liquor liability insurance. And, yeah. And there's things that we do to avoid that. Like, we don't allow self-serve. You know, mm-hmm. we don't do, we don't serve shots. We don't even typically do mixed drinks. All of our, if someone wants liquor, we almost always, like 95% of the time, if I did, if I could guess the number, we put a signature cocktail on tap. 
So if they do want an alcoholic or a liquor drink, it's already pre-batched and usually comes in around 13% alcohol, okay. roughly the same as wine. So, you know, if, you, if, if you're just drinking vodka sodas, you can pound those pretty easy or yeah. whiskey on the rocks. Like that's a mixed drink technically. But what I've noticed is that creates much quicker intoxication of, of guests, including my, myself at a wedding that I was a guest of, not when I was working, yeah. of course, but one wedding I went to, they didn't have, they didn't have any pre-mixed cocktails or anything. So I'm like, Oh, scotch on the rocks. Well, six of those later, yeah, <laughs> you know, like totally. I'm, I'm not, yeah, it's, it, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience to do my business, uh, engage in my business for a couple of years and then go to a wedding as a guest sure, and see that difference. But, but, but my main point is that, um, that we're, yeah, there, there, you never want to, wait until it's too late to figure these things out. I think that's why sure. I hope some of these venue owners that I work with reach out to you to just make sure that they have everything kind of wrapped up. Well, and, it, you know? and you know, a lot of people, like I mentioned earlier, work with great people mm -hmm. and we expect that. I mean, it, it's just, it's part and parcel to what you do. I mean, if it, to do a good job for other folks, mm -hmm. you have to have good people in your corner. And so, yeah. you know, we're just kind of that, you know, conduit to how do we move good to great? Mm, yep. And I, and I don't want to set the bar too high at great, but you know, um, how do we move you in the right direction to everything can't be perfect. We can't mm -hmm. solve everything, but how do we quantify a lot of what we don't know and how do we solve it? So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we, um, can add some expertise. Yeah, definitely. Well, Justin, is there anything else you want to add about your business or any other anecdotes? You want to share? I don't think so. I probably talked way too long. No, no, this is perfect. We try and keep it around that, you know, 25 minutes just to make sure that, um, you know, people can digest it if, if they're making that 30 minute car ride, you know, yep. and getting that perfect time zone. So I appreciate you coming in and I'm really uh, hoping that, you know, some venues think more about, these kinds of things, you know, because I think we're in this weird zone where a lot of them started a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, like back in, I think 2018, we had like a big 2018, 2019. Yep. Seemed like a big uptick in venues. So they're right at that point. Well, given, you know, the disruption of 2020, they're at that point of that three, three year where you get a lot of those growing pains. Yeah. You know, and, you, you know, we're, we're happy to, we just love to meet new folks. So yeah. I, I personally, that's, that's my thing. You know, if, if we find that, you know, maybe there's some commonalities in you know, our personality and that sort of mm -hmm. thing, you know, that that's obviously always the first thing, but, um, you know, if we can help, we're glad to, we, we, you know, never like meeting new folks in the industry. So, yeah. Well, how, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Is it to fill out an inquiry form on the website or to email or phone? Like, yeah. We have an way? inquiry form on the website. Um, it's just kind of a, Hey, are we a good fit? Mm -hmm. Um, they can also email us hello at nuptialrisk.com. Um, and those are really the best ways to get in touch. Also, our Instagram is at nuptial risk. Okay. Um, great. That's another good way to get in touch with us. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming in, Justin, and I hope we cross paths in the future. Yeah, thanks, Bryce. <laughs>